Good morning, everyone. We're so happy to be with you again. This is uh, Jerry Lee, the Manifestor Yada, and I thank my wife, Janet Lee, for being at the organ playing. I just so enjoy hearing that special touch that she has. So today, we're going to be talking about the mystery of the transfigured, or the Transfigurationed Bible. And this message is an up, up, up and away into a spiritual area that few have been. So you want to listen. You want to listen carefully. Now, after six days, the Bible tells us in the 17th chapter of Matthew and the ninth chapter of Mark, that Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they went up to a mount, a high mount. Now tradition says that it was Mount Tabor, which is located in Lower Galilee. But beware about tradition, because historically, the Romans had a military installation at Mount Tabor during the time of Christ's transfiguration. The mountain that it really was was Mount Hermon because the disciples were in the area of Caesarea and it was closest to Mount Hermon, which is the highest mountain in all Israel, 9,232 feet. It's interesting. Jesus sort of said something one time about taking a mountain and moving it from one place to another. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there. 
be cast into there. Mountains seem to have a place of meaning. You know, Mount Sinai was where Moses met with 20,000 angels. Psalm 68, 17. Elijah on Mount Carmel had tremendous experiences. Moses was taken to Mount Nebo so that he could view, Jordan, view from Jordan the land of the new promise. So what does this all mean? Well, we're going to talk about that. And this term, transfiguration, can only be found a couple times in the Bible. Basically, chapter 17 of Matthew and chapter 9 of Mark. What does that mean? Well, it's very, very important for you to know. When you look at a breakdown of the word and you look at trans, T-R-A-N-S, that means to go across or over or through or beyond or to the other side. But a more spiritual meaning is photo translation. Figuration, transfiguration can be about the spheres of harmon harmonies, can be about circles and circuits, can be to reckon, can be about the pattern, can be about codes. And there's something about this message that seems in the trans of it to trans time, to that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. And why is that important? Why is it so important to you? Because it's about knowing the who you were and about knowing the who that you are now and the who that you will be. You know, also in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 12, it talks about Christ appearing to these two men that were walking on the road to, to Damascus. He appeared in another form. Transfiguration. A change in form. But nearly incomprehensible of thought power, surpassing ordinary limits. And truly, it's comparative to the scripture in the Gospel of John that says, calling those things, calling those things that are, well, that's, this, that was the book of Hebrew, but the, the verse I want to quote in John is uh, that there is a word that has not yet been spoken. If all of the things were written that should be, that should be, that the world could not contain it. So just from those little things there that I have shared, you can see that we are headed towards something quite incredibly awesome. So there comes a time to stand above all your other visions and all your present knowledge. There are intervening moments rare to come that when they come, you need to be instantly able to recognize you are being given a sacred revelation in trust 
as divine interpretation by the Holy Ghost for an appointed time which has arrived to expand your memory and ministry. Guard your eyes, therefore, to profound that which they are about to see. And someone might say, well, I don't know if that's Bible. Well, that's just because you're not really that knowledgeable of the Bible then. The Bible talks about going beyond the shadow of the law. The Bible speaks in the book of Hebrews 6, 1 through 2 about leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Leaving them. What? How could the Bible possibly advise something like that? Well, it does. And only, only could we understand it when we are looking at something that is so absolutely incredible that it just transcends uh, everything else that could be imaginable. It's just incomprehensible the extent of the thought power that surpasses the ordinary limits. And so in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, it says, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, and then it names what those doctrines are. Repentance, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And you do this because you're being called to go on to perfection. Across the skies go the dashing of the Zith riders. As in the days of Moses, check it out, Psalms 68, 17, KJV. They are your compeers of Don. C-O-M-P-E-E-R-S. That means they are spirits that are joined to you, that are in the same wheel. They, they belong to an adjacent destiny. The Lord speaks that the Bible is not a traditional chronology nor a book of loan words, like, you know, foreign words brought in to sort of give a different touch or understanding of something. They're not loan words, no, inclined toward the dismissal of spirit insights. The Bible is not a religious book. It is a spirit-sponsored book that speaks of both darkness and light. And that seems really odd. How could it be a spiritual book and speak about darkness and light. Well, it starts off with darkness. And you have to understand that. In the beginning, it starts off. And that's why then the Bible says, and God said, let there be light, because there was darkness. So you've got darkness, and then you've got light. Across the skies go the dashing of the Zith riders. And they're told about 20,000 of them. Psalms 68, 17. And it was on a mountain. The mountain of Sinai. These mountains are, are something that calls a person to go up and get closer to the skies. Grammaterians dispute on the precise construction of many Bible corresponding phrases. Scholars deny that Adam and Abraham were historical persons. They denounce that Moses could have written the first five books of Genesis. They offer proofs of differentiation, uh, differential uh, authorship. They claim the accounts of creation contradict one another. They claim much of the Bible is either poetry or mythology. They claim different writers use different names for God. 
They claimed the priests mostly wrote the Bible during the time of Israel's Babylonian captivity. It is written, Judge nothing before the time until the Lord brings to light the hidden things of darkness. There's a lot that's needed to know about what is hidden in the darkness. And you have to wait upon the Lord to come to the knowledge of that. We are called to understand the manifest ministries. Paul one time wrote and says, I have in a figure, interesting, the word figure is involved in transfiguration. I have in a figure transferred to myself these mysteries. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7, MIV. So the Bible says the word can be transfigured into flesh. That's in the book of John. The Bible further says that the spirit of a person can speak through, a, through other persons one's ministry using the persona DNA of those transferred uh, to individuals to speak it. Thus can the ministry of a seer be spread across the ages with his signature on his works. It's a small understanding of transfiguration. And what I just said there was a mouthful and I should probably read, uh, yeah, I should say it, I should read it again. So the Bible says the word can be transfigured into flesh. The Bible further says that the spirit of a person can speak through other persons, one's ministry, using the persona, DNA of those transferred to individuals to speak it. Thus can the ministry of a seer be spread across the ages with his signature on his works. It's a small thing to understanding transfiguration once the Holy Ghost opens it up. Now, interestingly, this writ that I am ministering to you is going to become the foreword of the Peace Manifest Bible. And we're going to come to understand some awesomely, incredibly deep meanings why this is so important to be the foreword and why people need to know this thing about transfiguration because it is awesome. When a human anti-believer in the Bible is counting the lattice webs of every Bible expression to figure the lengths of time and the who of generations in order to prove the Bible false, take heed to Timothy who said, Give no concern to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying. Timothy 1.4, KJV. Without divine guidance, the dependability upon genealogies is a road of fumble, according to historians. How the genealogy are reckoned is the difference of whether they can be counted for generations or linking of time. But the factor missing in their thinking is the Bible clearly reveals a God accounting that does not allow a reckoning of rejected persons or generations. Bible history gaps are spirit based on God accounting and any gaps occurring that our spirit conveyed do not change the range of the generations because spirit accounting spans all heights, depths, widths. Certain scholars have said Moses could not have written the first five books of the Bible. 
They based that opinion on different styles and difference of God's names used along with other supposedly inconsistent factors. Also because comments are made in Genesis uh, after the death of Moses. And they figured the proof of that is, is that Moses died and did not finish the book of, of Genesis. Without question, there are mysteries of the time, mysteries of Bible stories, mysteries of the words of the Bibles, and mysteries of the happenings stated in the Bible. The Bible is a collection of parables that can only have clarity through the Spirit. The Bible is a living transfiguration that can take on changing forms nearly unlimited. Every word, every sentence, every verse, chapter, and those indications other that are written in the book is tangential. Tangential meaning a line of connection. Interesting in the Bible, it talks about the line that goes out. And this is connected to the many faces of truth featured in the past, the present and the future. The Bible is, now listen to this, the Bible is a written garden of Eden. Within it is both darkness, light, good, and evil. So what did we find in the Garden of Eden? We found the tree of life, and we found the tree of good and evil. And that was all in the garden. And in the garden was where that chief prince called the serpent, the Gihon people prince, appears. So, if you want to find good in the Bible, it is there. If you want to find evil in the Bible, it's also there. So if you want to find fault in the Bible, there are those recorded ones who spoke in the Bible that were thought in their own minds to be representing God. But they represented God in the nature insights of their own personalities. The same Bible that reveals heaven also reveals hell. The same Bible that reveals love reveals hate. The same Bible that reveals righteousness also reveals the satanic works of evil. Some believers will say the Bible is inerrant. Oh, have I ever heard that through my Christian life? Oh, there's no mistakes in the Bible. There's no errors in the Bible. What a sham. What an ignorance of reality. Of course there are errors in the Bible. Nevertheless, those errors in the Bible were put together by mortals. A person can choose to be blind to those errors for the sake of their faith, but better would it be to be relieved of those errors because to the peer all things are peer. How does that work? This is where the vision of the transfigured Bible comes in. Now I want you to get this. I want you to listen to this. This is written in the Bible. The kingdom of God is not in word. That almost sounds anti. Because the Bible says in the first chapter of John that the word became flesh and then that flesh turns out to be Jesus Christ. But of course, there's something different than that being a kingdom. The kingdom of God is not in word. And in parentheses, Let's put the word alone. The kingdom of God is not in word alone, but in power. 
1 Corinthians 4.20, MIV. For, preposition, preposition for, and that means here's the because, here's the why. We only know in part. The Bible word is a glass darkly. And we speak in part. But when that which is perfect is come, which is the kingdom of God, then that which is in part shall be done away with. So no wonder this thing that I read, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ and all of those important doctrines, let's go on to perfection, which refers to this kingdom of God in its fullness. Because now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then we shall be known as we were once known. 1 Corinthians 9, 12, MIV. And, now we have a conjunction, a synodoki. A synodoki meaning that it is adding other parts of the text, other parts of the scriptures which belong to the particular text. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, for his was the kingdom and the power. So now we're beginning to see the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The word is made flesh, and there is a glory. But we have to be able to see that glory, come into that glory. And the Bible tells us there are glories that belong to us before the foundations of the earth. And as we begin to come into that previous state of vision and seeing and understanding, into that power, we begin to collect the fullness of the empowered word. And that is what collectively gives us the glory of the forever. St. John 1.14 and Matthew 6.13. St. John 1.14, Matthew 6.13, MIV. <clears throat> this, now, this is a, listen to this one. You've got to, you've got to bend your ear a little bit to really get into this. The stories of the Bible are greater than the seeming histories they record. The Bible says the things that are seen are made of things that do not appear. So here we have the Bible. And I'm saying there are stories in there that are greater than, than the writing seems to provide their sentences. There are stories that are in there that have a greater meaning. And you have to dig in, and that's why it talks about the deep word of God. You've got to go beyond the shallow. The Bible says that things that are seen are made of things that do not appear. There are things in the Bible that do not appear when you read the Bible. No matter how many verses you read, no matter how many words you, you read, no matter how many chapters you read, no matter how you concentrate, there are things when you are reading those physically visible words, there are things that do not appear. And until you get into the revelation of those things that do not appear, you really don't get into the kingdom of God. You are only into a surface word, a glass darkly, which is a thing that is only in part. And so when we say the stories of the Bible are greater than the seeming histories they record, 
The Bible says that things that are seen are made of things that do not appear. Hebrews 11.3, KJV. So then, the things that do not appear for sure would include the invisible Bible that in our manifest teachings we preach about. That there is an invisible Bible full of the patterns and the codes of God that is not a, there just to instantly see. There has to be a coming into that revelation. There are three folds. We've talked on this part many times. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This corresponds to the three glories, which are that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. Consequently, the Bible's every word, verse, chapter, and story have coordinational potential of the inset of the three states that incorporate the Alpha and Omega, which includes that which was, that which is present, and that which is future. The power of transfiguration. Oh, how exciting. How embellishing of the invisible. Becoming co-cognitive. Like cognitive meaning cognition, which is the ability of your mind, of your brain, to think, to reason, to have logic. And there is this thing of co-cognitive through transfiguration. So that there could be another person, and there could be you, and you could be co-cognitive to that other person, and they could be co-cognitive to you. It'd be in some ways very similar similar to the scientific term that's called entanglement, where there could be an atom on one side of the universe opposite to another atom on the other side of the universe, and whatever happened to the one atom on one side of the universe happened to the other atom. And that's Bible. The Bible talks about, you know, what happens on earth happens in heaven, and what happens in heaven can happen on earth. So this becoming co-cognitive through transfiguration is a major part of this whole mystery that we are unfolding. Being able to stand in for another person. When you have that gift, you can stand in for another person. Moses was transfigured when his spirit was shared with 70 elders. Numbers 11, 24 through 26 KJV. Let's, let's read that. Moses was transfigured when his spirit was shared with 70 elders. Now, can you imagine your spirit being shared with 70 other persons? And they would all be standing in for Moses, those 70 elders, because they had a portion of his spirit. This standing in for a person can occur while the person is alive or deceased. This is a fearful thing to Lucifer Satan because it extends the time ministry range of advanced ministry. Lucifer Satan understood the danger to his dark plots and sought to bind the body and even the debris of Moses' body, lest his body and spirit become multiple of stand-ins who were alive or having passed to become dignitaries still standing in for Moses. Now, dignitaries are people who were once angels, fell, 
but then have overcome to the point, although they have not returned to their full angelship, they have returned to a state where they are waiting for that event. And they're called dignitaries. And there could be people passed down through the history still standing in for some of these great people, like Moses. Compare Jude 9, also 2 Kings 2.15. We see so interestingly some awesome things. We see how that the Bible tells us in Jude that Lucifer was willing to, to war, to take over the body of Moses. But a powerful angel stood up and did not let that happen. But we see how the Bible talks, you know, for instance, when it's talking about the spirit of Elijah, which it tells us about in Second uh, Kings 2.15 and Matthew 17.11 through 13. And it says, the spirit of Elijah does rest upon Elisha. And there's this, these scriptures about coming into the rest. And, and the Bible says that the ministry that's been going on all the way back to the beginning of time almost shows that the majority of people on earth both those who believed and those who didn't believe still had not come into the rest. And that's why the Bible and the Word of God would have to constantly continue speaking about coming into the rest. Because there's so much enfolded in that. It's somehow correspondingly attached to this idea of, of the trans, trans-assimilation, the Transfiguration. So it is so beautiful and so important that we are told even the angels take part in transfigurations when they ascend and descend upon the body of Jesus as the Son of Man. And that's, that is in St. John chapter 1, 51. And Jesus said, you're going to one day come into this understanding. You're going to one day come into this revelation. And when you do, a seership will come into you and you'll be able to see angels descending and ascending upon the body of Jesus Christ. This is a kind of transfiguration. Wow. Additionally, Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Transfigured as Moses and Elijah. Someone says, oh, no, I think that Moses and Elijah were both there in bodies. Well, you have to read it very carefully. Because if you don't, you can interpret it like Peter did. He wanted to build a special place for, the three, for each of the different bodies. But when the revelation was real, really revealed to him, because a cloud overshadowed the mountain and the voice spoke out and said, Peter, you need to stop talking and you need to allow the Spirit to speak. 
And he became very fearful when he heard that. And he shut up. And as soon as he did, what happened is the body of Moses and the body of Elijah disappeared and only Jesus was there. Because actually only Jesus was there at all, all the time. And Jesus took on another form, another shape, like he did in the, in the, in the time of his resurrection. When Mary Magdalene was looking for, for the body of Jesus, and she thought she saw this person who was a gardener. But the gardener was just a photo translation of Jesus and not Jesus in the Jesus body form. And it wasn't until he photo translated again that then he took on that Jesus body form and said, Mary. And then she saw him no longer as the gardener, but as Jesus Christ. And he explained, there's something going on right now. I haven't ascended to the Father. And then we think of this thing in John where Jesus says that he'll come, you'll see the angels ascending and descending on me. So we also see that they can descend and ascend on the Father. So this is profound. Totally profound. So we see that revelation about Mary Magdalene and that transfigured thing in John chapter 20, verse 14 through 17. And as I said earlier, in Mark 6, 12, it talks about Jesus appearing in another form to two of, the, uh, two of these persons uh, that walked along a country road. A fellow servant brother who has appeared as a dignity in transfiguration visits John in the book of Revelations. Compare Revelations 19.10 and Revelations 22.9. How can these things be? How can they be? Well, they certainly are not by a simple measure. They're a deep measure. But there was an appearance, a transfiguration, a dignity that appeared to John. And John thought that this must be almost like God. And he started to get down on his knees and worshiping. And the, the transfigurated dignitary said, no, don't do that. I'm one of you. I'm one of of, the, of your fellowship people. I'm one of you. So now we, and that, that was in two different revelations. So we have a clear revelation of this transfiguration and how it is so applicable in such a spiritual sense that it cannot be understood or comprehended just in the physical sense alone. So that all brings us to questions and more questions. Especially how the transfiguration of time works. Well, there is an insipidity. I-N-S-I-P-I-D-I-T-Y. That's sort of a word that means a foolishness. A abounding ignorance. A refusal 
to the spirit side of creation and history that many scholars regarding their envisage of the eons of time have. They just have something in them that repudiates the spirit revelation. Their insistence is on physical discoveries and their accorded theories. Any views about spirit concepts are to them like endorsements to such as the mythological Roman gods, Eos and Aurora of Dawn. However, all mythology is not just trash. Some of those parables of myth were coming from minds of primitive times, minds of primitive times touched in their imaginations that were influences existing above mortal limits. Janet Lee.
Is it not that we who believe in the spirit side of things are the ones who are missing out and ignorant? Or is it quite different from that? Is it rather we who believe in the spirit side of things have the opportunity and the potential to go beyond and this is the whole idea of the trans to go to the other side to to go above to go across to go beyond we have to reach a place to understand that humankind has attempted to have an accurate realization <clears throat> about human history on earth But they have not understood it from the spirit side of things. And even in my profounding unto you and sharing with you, there would not be space or enough time in this presentation to propound exhaustively on all humankind's attempts to capture the exactitude of the history of humankind. And even if I did have the space and time, don't expect me to swallow up the theories and the versions of the Egyptian ethologists or the those people who are into Egyptian writings and history, such as Mantathos and, and Cheraman and the Egyptian calendar and their cycles and all their redactors which with so many diverse versions, especially considering how intense some of their society leaders were in eradicating the history and the existence of certain events and persons of leadership, and add to the fray of that and to the fray of research, folk traditions, Josephus, the story of who is thought the people of Israel really are, or were, such as being from the sea people, the high coasts, the Egyptians, the Africans, add the translations of the Bible, the Miseratic priest, the Greek Septuagint, the Samaritan, and the host of other translations and translators. Look at the Theban doctor of creation of life and stir the mixing bowl and note the concoctions of all of the all of everything that gets thicker but less and less of unity. Throw in the stories of wonderments, the Pharaoh Akhenaten and his supposed connection to Moses, then make a summation. It is said that over 90% of the universe is unknown. The earth and the solar system is a part of the unknown universe. I don't think it would be out of line to say scholars as a whole may not even know 4% of the earth and the solar system because it is a part of the unknown universe. So then, how the power of transfiguration works may have been somewhat described by Paul the Apostle. He spoke of calling those things that have not yet appeared as though they have appeared. Romans 4.17 KJV. This is a good description of using the power of transfiguration. Consequently, causing events 
to occur in the spirit prior to their coming into the physical event, which nevertheless, hang in there, folks, nevertheless leaves an allowing of token actions to act out the reality of its to-occur time that the event stands for. Example, plants and herbs created in the spirit of transfiguration and are set in forms they will have once they are planted in the earth soil. Genesis 2, 5. The Bible speaks of an angel or angels going before to make the way for God's people. Exodus 23, 20, KJV. Who would know? Who could even guess of the major and multiple changes made by such angels to undermine resistance of circumstances, forces of nature, forces of military might, and therefore transfigure to clear the way for the destined? Who would be able to apply it to an input as an act of nature? Then at a certain time in the future, nature, as an impetition, it could produce an earthquake or destructive storm from land, seas, or air, or even use bugs, as the Bible says it did, such as hornets, to drive out people and to clear away for the destined. The last thing that academic voices should raise is certainty of claims about having a precise history of what they uh, are trying to teach as a true calendar of the dates of civilization and its happenings. I want to tell you I believe that Joshua War on Jericho happened and the offset of perhaps 150 years by the archaeologist via their interpretations of excavations does not convince me differently. It is well known that a major percent of a site, even if diligently searched, could miss something the size of a button that would change the whole time frame. As to the scriptures of the patriarchs who have in their writings an insert saying that these things still exist to this day, which certain scholars find to be the proof that the author died before the book was finished, however, I find these writings by the scribes to be for verifying the proof of the scripture. Some major scholars did not feel the use of biblical doublets of writ in their story tellings showed proper authorship. For instance, where in Genesis only verses apart it mentions twice the loading again of the animals to escape the coming flood. I had no problem with that because I believe the ark ship was loaded with animals and then the flying Zith ship was loaded with animals. Peter had a vision of a flying vessel loaded with animals that had made three rounds of picking up animals for redistribution. Check it out, Acts 11, 5 through 6, and also verse 10. The Lord was showing Peter that God was not, a res- not only uh, a respecter of those humans who should be saved from the flood, but God also respected those animals that should be saved from the flood. This was a message to Peter against having bias against any of God's creation. That is awesome. That is absolutely transfigurational. And back to the Bible scripture doublets, such as Abraham being married to his sister and similar situations occurring with his offspring. These kind of doublets were 
agitating to the scholars, but sometimes things being very important are done for emphasis. All of these mysterious jangles are not reasonable reasons to claim, as some scholars have done, that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes never existed. No jigs and jags of the Bible are interesting to me. And Bishop Ursher's error of Bible timing, nor that Jacob and Esau both had 12 sons, nor the stories of the Philistines and the Hittites, does not prove that the Exodus never occurred. The facts are clear that certain civilizations wiped out histories of the things they didn't want related to their history. But I tell you now, the book is opening on transfiguration that can change forms and times and worlds. And God has opened the door that no religion and no institution of research will ever be able to open so that we can understand the difference of transfiguration, how that it is even above just the acts of transformation. And oftentimes transfiguration involves ministry of prophecy, which is a prediction of the future. And that passes on to these people who are transfigurated, and they immediately end up with that gift. So transformations were involved, such as Satan used to change himself to appear as an angel of light. But that wasn't the same thing as transfiguration, which Jesus said, keep this secret until the revelation of the time when I have resurrected. So this all comes to, to something very important. It's got to do with lost memories and the fact that the fallen angels are living in a land of forgetfulness. And this loss of memory has affected the mortal planet Earth inhabitants beyond the imagination of any common mortal. A mass of forgottenness is brought to attention when Jesus was hanging on the cross and said to his accusers and anti-sympathetic viewers, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Check that out in Luke 23, 34, KJV. The statement they do not know can mean they do not remember. In the Bible, knowledge, knowing, and to be known have a lot to do with remembrance. Clearly, according to the Bible, there is no living or deceased humans who have not heard the gospel, Romans 10.18. The Bible teaches that the word of the gospel was set out as a measuring line, sound line, throughout the universe and its creations, spoken in Psalms 19.1 through 6, were set up to hear this word and to hear it, even if it was subconscious. This was verified in the New Testament in Romans 10, 17 through 18, where the Old Testament term line is transliterated to the word sound, meaning the soundtron or meaning the Holy Ghost word will of God. And when we get into those understanding of the, the, the Holy Spirit and then the use of the Holy Ghost, we see that there is something deep, 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 deep 
that is ebony, bringing us in and ebb by ebb closer to the word of God. Romans 11.22 declares that all Israel will be saved. Since God is a respecter of all persons, it is clear that the term Israel is used here spiritually, meaning all fallen ophems, ophans or ophanims, regardless of their earthly moral, mortal national descriptions. Explicitly, the explanation of this is that when the term Israel is applied to the deep reality, it can refer to a spiritual Israel which includes all human beings who were once eternal Ophanim from ancient worlds of long ago, even before this universe was born. This is why in the Bible it is said to forgive their disobedience that in part at least was due to their lost memory. Consequently, before Christ, salvation was just a smoothing over approach through sacrifices to obtain justification for a temporary time. Complete salvation would come only through Christ. However, true salvation is quite different than most religious institutions teach. The difference is that Christ's salvation recognizes the lost memory state of spirits who were cast into bodies and dragged by their fall into the fleshly mortal bodies down into a physical creation. Out of it all came the event of forgetfulness. Not that the mortal bodies could easily have access of all their knowledge. That's why I apply the loss of memory to an extent. Also, into the future, deeper and deeper, the scripture of the invisible body, when uncoded, reveals that being an, etern that being an eternal ophanim, even though fallen, still is bound to the major laws regarding eternal created, created spirit beings. Still bound, as I said, to the major laws regarding eternal created spirit beings. The Bible verifies. So it is written, the gifts and the callings as described in Romans 11, 9 says, for the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And did not we read in Hebrews where it says, leaving the principles of the, of the doctrines of Jesus Christ? And it even includes the doctrine of repentance. The only way you could leave that is to be able to see above that this repentance is only a fog and it is there to show people a state that they are in. But it does not accord with overriding the fact that the Bible says in Romans 11:9 that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Without repentance. The ophanim hear hears will endure until the white throne judgment. 2 Corinthians 5:10. No one can be ultimately restored until after the white throne judgment. Nevertheless, amazing levels of memory can by day after day come to a point of restoration. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, whosoever endures to the end shall come to be saved. So it is written as a prophecy that Jesus would come and remove all sin and turn away all ungodliness. Roman eleven twenty six. Understand this reference refers to the old fans spirits, not the mortal body life into which the fallen angels fell into a mortal state. The Bible is clear. 
Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The Lord promises to restore memory to the heart and the spirit of every mortal and to remember their sins no more. Romans 10, 16-17 The confusion and the problems of understanding such scriptures are what regards applying what refers to the fleshly mortal body and what applies to the spirit of the fleshly mortal body. These lost memories are also called glories that belong to the Ophan angels who are now prisoners in mortal bodies before the world. 1 Corinthians 2, 7. How does this tie in to the mystery of transfiguration? Well, there was a man one time who was one of the greatest, I suppose, magicians who ever lived called Houdini. And he made a promise that if he died, he would find a way, if it was possible at all, to return and come back to earth. But he was never able to do that. He had learned about magic, but he had never learned about transfiguration. I don't want to shock anyone, but I think that there are few people who are taken from this life and move into the various level to levels and from one place to another who also do not know about this thing of transfiguration, which is connected to phototranslation. I think that it is possible for those who will be called to the other side who have reached an acuity and a revelation of the mystery of transfiguration, which is tied into the revelation of phototranslation, that because of having that knowledge in their spirit imbued, they will by this transformation and being able to go into other forms, be able to return to the earth as a dignitary. And being a dignitary, they can take on a body. And John, very spiritual man, when he saw this person with the body, because it had, like what happened to Jesus, where the face of Jesus was lighted up, and where even his garments became white as snow or became as light, and it just was something that seemed to be an indication that this person was, was a god. Of course, the Bible says we're all gods. And he fell down to worship, and he said, no, 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 you, you, you don't get it. You're missing the story. You're missing the revelation. I'm just like you. I'm one of you. And I have been able to come because I know about transfiguration. I understand about the transaccumulation of it. I understand about the message of it. I understand about the potential and the possibility of it in the sense of photo translation. So it's an exciting time. It's a moment that spans all the histories that have ever 
prevailed to this point. It's a, a key that is opening locks. It is a power that is ripping away the unknown of the universe. It is a Holy Ghost empowering that is opening the eyes and restoring the past to dwell in of memory. It is an understanding of why two cherubim angels, one from one side belonging the other to another side belonging, warred over the protection of the garden. The garden that contained the tree of life, yes, but also contained the tree of good and evil knowledge. Because in that garden was a potential of reaching to understanding that was so incomprehensible in the power of thought that it had to be written in the book of the last chapter of John. I suppose if all was written that should be written, not even the world could comprehend it. And there you have it, a whole world that has not comprehended. And only two times is Transfiguration mentioned in the Bible. And yet, it is so supremely important. And what do you have happening? You have a fulfillment. You have a word that speaks and prophesies about there coming a time when there will be ministries who will penetrate the darkness and open up revelations that have been hidden in the invisible body. And this manifest ministry is doing just those things. And I hope you hear, hearers out there can be, become powerful believers so that your prayers and your helps will reach out as often as you can to make sure that this ministry sails across the skies of the world and is never stopped by circumstances <clears throat> or inter-ignorant interventions. I will say goodbye to you and my wife Janet comes to play the organ. God bless you. Listen to this teaching again and again. God bless you. We love you.